Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're continuing with the Personal Life Lesson series, and this is a series where I just share really significant moments and memories and seasons throughout my walk with Christ and some of the most important spiritual truths I've learned along the way in the hopes that it will encourage and equip you with whatever you might be walking through today. This week, we're going to be focusing on the blessing of difficulty. Before we jump in, I wanted to encourage you to tune into the Daily Thunder podcast, which is a daily podcast that my husband Eric and Nathan Johnson and others share on. And right now, Eric is going through a really powerful series where he's drawing from lessons from World War One. So even if you're not a history buff and you never really studied much about World War One, these messages are so powerful and so applicable for where we're at in our culture today. So you can click the link in this podcast description or go to ellerslie.com and click on Daily Thunder or search for it on any podcast platform. I also wanted to let you know that if you are looking for a season to come away and immerse yourself in life-changing truth, to have your feet firmly planted on the solid rock of the Word of God, I would encourage you to join us in 2023 for one of our five-week or week-long programs in Colorado at Ellerslie Discipleship Training. This is just an incredible opportunity to come away from cares and distractions and sit at the feet of Jesus. Click the link in this podcast description to learn more about our programs, or you can go to ellerslie.com. So let's talk about the blessing of difficulty. To be completely honest with you, I never thought of difficulty as something to get excited about. And when Eric and I first started in ministry, I think I've shared in other episodes, really from the time we first got married, we were hit with so much difficulty. It's kind of deceiving because we wrote these books about our love story and our pre-marriage relationship and really emphasized the beauty of God's ways. And really our pre-marriage relationship was amazing. It just had this magical quality to it because the presence of God was, was there in the midst from start to finish. And just this fairy tale wedding But shortly after our honeymoon, we got hit with some unexpected circumstances. And I shared about that in the first episode of the Personal Life Lesson Series. So you can go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it already. But once we stepped into ministry, things became even more difficult. And it felt like the moment that we said yes to the call of God on our life to speak truth to our generation, we were hit with barriers, roadblocks, disappointments, just one after the next. And I went from feeling like I had a fairly stable, predictable life to just feeling like I didn't know which end was up. It always felt like we were climbing Mount Everest, whether it was financial challenges or criticism and false accusation or sickness that would just not go away, or practical hindrances, just life circumstances that were constantly presenting roadblocks, keeping us from where we felt God wanted us to go. We looked around at others in that time, other leaders, other Christian authors and speakers, and a lot of them didn't seem to have the same difficulty and hindrances in their lives that we did. In fact, there was one person in particular who just seemed to kind of skyrocket to success and not have any obstacle standing in his way. And at first, I feel like we had that temptation to be envious, just looking around not only at his life, but other leaders and thinking, why do things look so easy for them, for everyone else? Why do they just sort of have an easy, smooth road? And things are so difficult for us. We just felt like we never really hit that patch of smooth sailing. It was always bumpy waters. 
But over the years, God began to reveal that he had a deeper purpose in these challenges and in this difficulty. And in fact, some of those that we knew back then who always seemed to have it easy, who never went through trials or struggles or suffering, have now, years and years later, renounced their faith and walked away from God. And it really all boils down to the fact that when they finally did experience difficulty, they had no idea how to handle it. They weren't used to it. They didn't have any grid for it. So they began to listen to the voice of the enemy and blame God and pull away from him. And watching that has been very sad, but it has also reiterated the fact that the trials we personally experienced and the difficulties that we have walked through and continue to walk through in ministry and just being, you know, in front lines in this culture fighting for truth, it it always comes with difficulty, but that's a blessing in disguise. It doesn't always feel like a blessing at first, but we begin to recognize, wow, we have learned and grown so much through these challenges and trials. And they really are a blessing. They have been tremendously helpful in strengthening us spiritually and in our walk with Christ and even in our marriage. And I think I've shared with you in other episodes that on our 20th wedding anniversary, it was a time when we were going through a fresh season of difficulty. We had just brought Reese and Lily, our youngest two, home from Haiti. And we went from four children to six children overnight. And we were facing lots of internal challenges in our ministry and just various trials. And it was freezing cold outside. We didn't really have a normal way to celebrate, but Eric gave me an incredible gift. He wrote down in this little book called Barracks 28, just a a memory of all the difficult seasons that God had walked us through in the past 20 years and how each one of them had brought strength and blessing into our lives and drawn us closer together and closer to him. So it was like this way of hallmarking the blessing of difficulty. So if you are walking on a road of difficulty today, I want to encourage you with some of the spiritual principles that God has taught me through my own trials and difficulties over the years. Our culture trains us to believe that it is our right to avoid discomfort and difficulty at all costs. There are books written about it. There are all sorts of products that help us avoid discomfort and difficulty. But God has a very different message, a different perspective on trials and suffering and difficulty. In James 1, 2, he says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Now, all joy in this verse means complete and pure, taking joyous delight. And it's really one of the most counterintuitive verses in the Bible. Why would God even say this? To find pure and complete joy and delight in the most difficult things that we walk through. He goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So there is obviously a deeper purpose than just going through difficulty. It is meant to produce faith and endurance and deepen our understanding of who Christ is, deepen our understanding of how the enabling grace of God works. Trials can be a catalyst for some of the greatest spiritual growth we will ever experience if we respond correctly to them. If you've ever heard Otto Koning speak, he has the pineapple story and the snake story. He was a missionary in New Guinea for years, and some of his messages are just so poignant and applicable, even if you're not a missionary in the jungles of New Guinea. He has a message called The Weapon of Rejoicing, and in that message, he talked about how he used to pray, Lord, make me Christ-like and take away all my problems, sort of in the same breath. But then God showed him 
that really he wanted to use the problems that he was facing to make him more Christ-like. So he started to change his approach, not take away all my problems and make me more Christ-like, but Lord, work through these problems and these difficulties to make me more like Jesus. Trials are a gift from heaven, though we don't often want to see them that way. And one of the biggest keys for me has been realizing God's love for me in the midst of difficulties. He doesn't just allow trials and then sit back with some kind of wicked delight as I struggle through them. Rather, I have discovered that in trials, he draws nearer to me than ever before, showers me with an extra measure of his grace, and demonstrates his loving faithfulness to me, if I am willing to receive those things from him. The first step in experiencing God's beauty for ashes is to change the lens in which we look at trials. This is a quote from Amy Carmichael that I've said in other episodes. It's just such a simple but powerful quote. Two men looked through prison bars. The one saw mud, the other stars. It's all in how you choose to look at it. Are you going to have a heavenly lens or an earthly lens? There's two different models with which we can walk through difficulty. The first one, which is the most common one, is to experience the painful loss to our personal comforts and life expectations and constantly ask why and begrudge the loss all the while. When we suffer this way, we end up with a soul filled with doubt, despair, cynicism, and denouncement of everything true and godly. We cannot spiritually thrive when that is the state of our inward lives. And that is why you see some Christian leaders who started out strong falling away from God because they were not suffering correctly. They began to allow doubt, despair, cynicism, and denouncement of everything godly because of their suffering. The other way to walk through difficulty is to receive life's difficulties as blessings and opportunities to grow stronger and discover greater richness in life and trusting that God is in control no matter what. When we suffer this way, our soul explodes with life. We trust God with an ever-increasing faith and gain the amazing blessing of His nearness and grace. We can spiritually thrive when this is the state of our inward lives. Will we choose to say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm walking through this difficulty, but I do know that you are trustworthy and I choose to trust you through this? Or are we going to allow the pain and the frustration to push him away? The reality is that he is faithful and he cannot be anything but faithful. As I've talked about in other episodes, one of the core principles of who he is, is a God who creates beauty from ashes. When we take the ashes of our disappointment or pain or struggle and lay those things at his feet in complete trust and surrender, he will bring beauty for ashes. It doesn't always happen overnight, but he is a God of redemption. If we will trust him, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And I have seen that proven true over and over again in my life. I want to share with you practical ways to tap into the blessing of difficulty. These are three principles that have helped me time and time again when I seem to be coming up against barriers and roadblocks and frustration and just things that I would rather not be walking through. The first principle is to choose truth. We can so easily choose emotion, things like anger, frustration, despair, but when we choose truth, it changes the game. I remember a specific time when Eric and I were falsely accused and threatened by people that we had loved and served and prayed for and even trusted. And when that happened, emotions were overwhelming to me, the emotions of fear, 
because I was worried what if they act upon their threats. They were they were threatening to spread false accusation publicly about us and turn people against us. And that was that created an emotion of fear within me or doubt. If they hate me so much, does God actually still love me and care about me or confusion? Why would God allow this to happen, especially with people that we have sacrificed for and loved? Those emotions were very loud, but I had started to realize by that time in my spiritual life that I would gain heavenly perspective if I took time to deliberately put rock beneath my feet by standing on the truth of God's word instead of just listening to my emotions. So I began to go to the word of God with each one of my struggles. And so when I was struggling with fear, what if they act upon their threats? I began to meditate on the promises of God, his protection in scripture, such as no weapon formed against you shall shall prosper and you will surround the righteous with favor as with a shield. The more the voice of fear tried to distract me, the more I stood on the reality that I was under the shadow of his wings. And pretty soon my fear began to be replaced with unshakable peace. And then as I was struggling with doubt, if they hate me, does God still love me? I began to meditate on the truths from God's word that being falsely accused for Christ's sake is actually an honor. It's a cause for rejoicing. Jesus says that in Luke 6, 22 through 23. And even though maybe I would be tempted to doubt God's love for me when false accusation came, I decided to stand upon the fact that his word says the opposite. And pretty soon that doubt was replaced with faith. When I struggled with confusion, how could God allow this to happen? I began to meditate on the promises of God's faithfulness, such as all things work together for good, Romans 8, 28, and what the enemy means for evil, God will turn to good, Genesis 20, 30. I began to stand firmly upon the reality that God would turn everything the enemy meant to harm me into something that would bless and benefit me, even if I couldn't see the end of the story right away. And pretty soon my confusion was replaced with heavenly perspective and trust. I have learned that I cannot wait for my feelings to agree with scripture before taking God's truth as fact. When I accept God's truth as fact and command my feelings to agree with them, my emotions begin to align with his truth. And it just shifts everything. It changes the game. It totally changes my perspective on how I handle difficulty. Eric and I feel like the more we apply this principle, the more solid we are to handle the storms and the winds and the and the waves that come against us without being tossed to and fro, as it says in Ephesians 4.14. So the most critical step in responding to difficulty well is to choose to take God's word as fact. And that's what it means to choose truth, to stand upon his truth as our unshakable, unchangeable reality and command our emotions to agree with that reality. As it says in Numbers 23.19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak? and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So no matter what struggle you may have gone through in the past or what you may be going through today, I challenge you not to ask the question, how am I feeling about this? But start asking, what does God's truth say about this? And that change of question can change everything for you. The second principle is to choose joy. Now that might sound a little hard to do in the midst of a really intense struggle or difficulty. But we need to ask the question, is joy a feeling or a decision? We so often think joy is just something that happens naturally when things are going well for us. But what about when our expectations don't align with reality? Can we have joy 
in those situations. I've already shared in the first episode in this series that when Eric and I were first married, my expectations of what early married life would be did not align with my reality. Now, this didn't mean Eric and I didn't have a great marriage, but our circumstances began to stack largely against us to the point where we were battling fleas and raccoons and broken pipes and sickness and so many things that were overwhelming. And it definitely wasn't the fairy tale first year of marriage that I was hoping for. And God began to show me in that time that joy is something I can choose. It is available to me at all times through Christ. And it's not dependent on circumstances. It's actually a choice. In early ministry, we went through so many times when it didn't feel like joy was actually possible. I've shared in the past of of sitting in a guest room in a pastor's house and just battling with such incredible disillusionment of where the church was at and just being so fed up with hypocrisy. I was seeing it in the life of this pastor, in his home, but in so many other Christian leaders everywhere we went. And I was totally disillusioned. Or the time when we were taken advantage of by someone who came in to serve our ministry and he ended up draining the ministry of all its resources and we ended up having to move in with my parents for a season. This is about a year or two into our marriage and ministry. And that was absolutely devastating for us right as we were getting off the ground in ministry. Again, a time when I didn't really feel like joy was possible or the many different times that we faced criticism and betrayal and false accusation. There were times when I just felt like someone had come up and kicked me in the stomach as hard as they could. All of these situations, I felt the temptation to justify depression and self-pity. But God pulled me out of that pit, out of that lie that I have to wallow in depression and self-pity. And he showed me that in his presence is fullness of joy. It says that in the Psalms, in his presence is fullness of joy. And it's a supernatural joy that he places within us. And it's a joy that fills us at the deepest level of our soul. And it is not dependent on circumstances. That is why you can read biographies of men and women who went through tremendous suffering and loss and difficulty and grief and imprisonment and still had this abiding joy because it was an abiding joy that came from abiding and clinging to the vine, Jesus Christ. I have learned to go to the source of true joy over and over again. I can't look to myself and say, hey, let me just drum up some happiness here. That doesn't help. But when I abide in him, when I go to his feet, when I lay my cares before him, when I sit in his presence and just say, Lord, surround me with your presence, fill me with everything that you are. Give me your supernatural joy right now. He always answers that prayer. I remember reading the story of a World War II prisoner who became a Christian in prison. And he was captured by the Japanese as a when he was on a mission for the American military. And then he became a Christian in these really horrific circumstances. Someone had given him a Bible in prison and he was just starving and being tortured and being kept in isolation. And nothing about his circumstances changed because he had been absolutely miserable for the first several months of his imprisonment. But once he found Jesus, nothing about his circumstances changed, but everything in his soul had changed and it became truly a sanctuary for him. And he didn't want to leave that prison cell because he was so loving the presence of God. And that's something that's available to every single one of us, no matter what we are walking through. True joy is a decision of the will. It's a purposeful act of fixing our gaze upon Jesus Christ and anchoring our soul to him. As long as our eyes are on Jesus, we have everything we need to be happy. If they are on our circumstances, we will usually find a reason to be discontent. 
as I've said in other episodes, when we really catch a glimpse of the cross and what he has done for us, we recognize we have every reason to rejoice at all times. Even if nothing ever went right in our lives, even if we never achieved even one of our earthly desires, we already have every reason to be joyful for the rest of our lives because we were deserving of death and he gave us everlasting life and made us part of his royal family. What greater joy could we ever hope or need? This is an incredible quote from the devotional Streams in the Desert. I suspect that the source of every bit of sorrow in my life can be traced to simple unbelief. If I truly believe the past is totally forgiven, the present is supplied with power, and the future is bright with hope, how could I be anything but completely happy? Wow, that is so convicting. Now, that doesn't mean we aren't going to feel emotions of sadness or sorrow or grief when really hard things happen. But at the soul level, we have that restful, joyful, trusting hope in who Jesus is. I remember Corey Ten Boom talking in her book, Tramp for the Lord, about visiting one of the most depressing prisons she had ever seen in the middle of Africa. These men were sitting hopelessly just in the mud all day long, and they had nothing to live for. And she said, Lord, I don't even know how to reach these men. They are so hopeless and so depressed. And he said, claim my promise of joy. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And so she began to claim and stand upon that promise. Lord, I receive your promise of supernatural joy right now. And she began to speak about joy to these men. And pretty soon the joy of Christ was filling that prison and it completely turned everything around. It was it was an absolute miracle. Just an incredible story, the power of heavenly joy. So we've talked about choosing truth and choosing joy. And lastly, choose grace. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard me say that grace is not just the hug or the mercy or the acceptance of God. It's the enabling power, the enabling strength to do what we can never do on our own. And when it comes to the Christian life, especially walking through difficulty, we need to get into the mindset of a spiritual athlete, leaning upon God's grace for his supernatural strength to do what we could never do on our own. We need to realize that the Christian life is not supposed to be easy. We often want our Christianity to fit into a nice little box that doesn't inconvenience our life in any way. We hope maybe it'll be a fun side hobby we can just take out and do whenever we're in the mood for it, or maybe it'll add a little bit of enjoyment or blessing to our self-focused lives, but real Christianity is nothing of the sort. It is not meant to be an easy, comfortable hobby. It is meant to be a cross. Think about the example of Jesus. His earthly ministry certainly wasn't easy, and it didn't fit into a neat little box. Often, Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to stop and eat. A lot of times, he had no place to rest his head. And even when he did seek to get away alone, often the crowds followed him and called after him, and they were so needy, and he never really had a lot of time to himself. He was mocked and hated by the leaders of the day. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed, and he was crucified. And he asked us to take up our cross and follow in his steps. And then there's the Apostle Paul. No one could ever use the word easy to describe his ministry life. In fact, he carried weights that are far more intense than any of us could ever imagine. If you just look at his list of challenges in 2 Corinthians 11, he's talking about in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. And five times did he receive 40 stripes minus one. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked in perils of waters and perils of robbers. And it just goes on and on and 
on. Yet for all of Paul's trials and difficulties, he was abundantly joyful and content. In fact, he wanted others to experience what he had. He says in Acts 26, I would to God also all who hear me today might become altogether such as I am. He wasn't wishing his chains upon them. He was saying, I wish that all of you could experience this kind of heavenly joy. I have something that trumps all of these circumstances. When it comes to the Christian life, it is not ease that we should seek, but grace. God's amazing enabling grace can equip us to joyfully handle weights that we could never handle on our own, to face difficulty with triumph and victory and a heavenly perspective. Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary to the walled city of Hong Kong, which was one of the most destitute places in the world, spent several years, probably 20 or 30 years, I think, sharing her home and even her bedroom with prostitutes who were being rescued and ex-drug addicts and really had no privacy. And in one of her messages, she said, you may have your own room, but I have God's grace. What was she talking about there? God's enabling grace, equipping her to do things she would never be able to do on our own. And that is a grace that is available to every single one of us when we face difficulty. Psalm 42 is an amazing picture of what it means to go to the source of truth, joy, and enabling grace during difficulties. So I challenge you to practice this kind of response the next time you're walking through difficulty. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? O my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore... I will remember you from the land of Jordan. Now let's just stop there for a second. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Most of us stop after the first line. My soul is cast down within me. And we just sort of stay there and wallow in that place of a soul being cast down. And yet the solution in this psalm is to say, Lord, I will remember you. And he goes on to say, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. That is the solution for walking through challenges and difficulties with a heavenly perspective, knowing where to go for the strength that we need. Every challenge and difficulty and struggle that has come my way in life has drawn me closer to Jesus Christ, has shaped me more into his likeness, and I have learned invaluable spiritual lessons. It's one of the ways that he makes us like gold refined in the fire. So I have learned not to push against difficulty, but to say, Lord, even though this may not be pleasant, I know it is a blessing. I know you have a purpose in it. And I pray that you will begin to apply some of these principles if you're walking through difficulty right now. It can actually become one of the greatest spiritual strength seasons of your life. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about building a Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.